broadcasting live from the Winthrop House. You're now listening to the Safe Negro Podcast Show. Welcome back to the Safe Negro Podcast, the blackest recap and review podcast covering HBO's Lovecraft Country. It is I, HU's finest, Tatiana King, along with my fellow For All Nerds host. DJ Ben Amin, formerly known as Atticus Prime, mm-hmm. but that was weak, so I'm just going to keep it moving, but HU? <laughs> you know. And we are also joined by the incredible... Um, hi everyone, I'm Porsche Patterson Hurst, and today my AKA is a black woman on the Zoom. Mm. Very clever. I like that. And very timely uh, because we are covering episode two of Lovecraft Country titled Whitey on the Moon. Teleplay by Misha Green, directed by Daniel Sackheim. And of course, kudos, big up salutes to Kim Coleman, who is an incredible casting director. Um, The title of this episode is very poignant for many different reasons. The most obvious being that this is actually the title of Gil Scott Heron's spoken word poem, Whitey on the Moon, which actually it was inspired by um, the fact that that was like right during this space program. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that so many resources in the United States were being spent to, to get us to the moon, but right here in your face in the cities, everyone, particularly marginalized communities, weren't, didn't have enough uh, you know, education, health, the same stuff that you're still hearing today in 2020, which is the wildest thing. But, um, he, he, you know, he wrote that because he, he, he felt that black Americans were experiencing continued marginalization, debt, poverty. Um, he was uh, Gil Scott Herring was inspired to write Whiting on the Moon by a statement from writer and activist Eldridge Cleaver, who was an early leader of the Black Panther Party. And he argued that the space program was distracting the U.S. from internal problems. Mm. And as we see from what transpires in this episode, there are lots of problems that uh, Whitey's being distracted by. And uh, I think it's also Gilstrot is one of the members of the Last Poets, which are like the progenitors of hip hop Mm. in general. Like they were basically people who inspired hip hop and everything that came from it, everything that came after it. And it's really funny, like you were talking about, because uh, maybe two years ago, Tribe Called Quest released their final album, mm. and one of the singles on it is the oh, Space yeah. Program. Oh, yeah, they sure did. Which wow. is a song, yet again, about people talking about, they say, you know, ain't no space program for black people. Ain't no space program for Mexicans. Like, we ain't going to the mother planets. You know, we stuck here. And it's also Whitey on the Moon isn't just about the space program. It's also about the mindset. That's why I love that song so much. Whitey on the moon. It's mm-hmm. like the mindset mm-hmm. of a white man is just somewhere else, you know, just <laughs> off on his own shit while we all here, you know, and we got to deal with all the drama that's caused by that white man being off on his own shit. Whitey off on the moon, you know, whatever they're doing, yeah. it's not, they ain't even got to be on the moon, and, but they on the moon. And not just white men, white men in power, the ones that make the decisions, the one that keeps us here. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm the same people who are, why we're stuck in the United States right now, is y'all fault. So we can't leave the country. And those that benefit from that system, too, and don't uh, fight it every day, you know? Yep. But for me, I thought it was the, the poem, especially never they actually had it playing um, mm-hmm. in the episode, was very poignant for, like, pointing out the fact that, like, 
the white people are just taking, 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 and taking yes. advantage of things. And in this episode, we can we see that in the dynamic with the um the Brathwhite family and with Atticus or whatever. Like they they even the one who's supposed to be on his side a bit or whatever, who understands a bit more um about where he's coming from, like having him um Atticus being like taken advantage of because um Christina also feels like she's been taken advantage of or whatever. Mm-hmm. She even she as the kind of ally is still taking, taking, taking and expecting yes. more from him. Yes. Um and so that's what I feel like Whitey on the Moon was really great for pointing out was just like it was about constantly taking without um even thinking about the consequences or whatever, just because of the idea of that they should achieve more and it shouldn't really matter who it hurts as it happens. Indeed. And it's, it's interesting also the way this episode opens. I, I thought it was hilarious because I'm just, <laughs> and of course that should have been my cue that something was off, but it was <laughs> hilarious how this episode opens up because it starts with Letitia and George dancing it up, living it up. They, in, first of all, the way, if you all remember the way the last episode ended, they were covered in blood. They mm-hmm. just experienced the whole Shogoth massacre slash police white police massacre they they barely made it out alive and then they they uh, come upon what is now re- revealed to be the braithwaite manor and so for them to go from and it like it was you know it was dark it was it was just terrible it was violent and then for them for the episode to end like that and then this next this new episode episode two to open up with like sunshine and rainbows we dancing in the streets we're happy la happy days are here again type shit like it was like all right I should have known something was off, but I was just like, okay. Um, as I mentioned, you you see George and Letitia, they're over there dancing it up, living the life because they are, they, they've been placed in their own rooms, which have everything that they love. For Letitia, we talked about her commitment to fashion. She has racks and racks of dresses and gowns and amazing clothing. And then in George's room, he has racks and racks of books and his favorite books. Uh, and we get to, I was laughing again at Atticus and Atticus just stone faced. He's just like, I can't like, he's the only one who to me was reacting realistically. Mm. Like you just came out of such a traumatic experience. You wouldn't be dancing up. Ha ha he, um, we found out later why that is the case. But when I, as I was watching this, I was just like, is this just how different people process trauma? Like Mm -hmm. some people, will will just be down and out for, for the longest. Some people will ignore it because that's their way of dealing with it, of, of their coping mechanism. Some people use humor. I was just trying to figure out at first, was it just because, you know, they, they, they were just happy to be out of it. But we come to find out is a more heinous reason why they're, they're dancing it up. How did y'all feel about uh, good times being used right there. Good it was times. Move, the moving on up. Moving uh, on it up. was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Theme music. The good, yeah. good times. It's actually, and I wanted to point that out, it's sung by Jeanette uh, Dubois and Jeff Berry. Dubois. 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 <laughs> and um, shout out to Niall Rogers of oh! Chic who wrote the joint. Legend. And yes, he did. I mean, I don't... y'all, Google the man if you don't understand how much right. shit this man... How, how his publishing checks never end. I, mean, I shouldn't even be surprised. Never, I shouldn't ever. be surprised. You shouldn't he's, be. He's a goat. He's he, just... Goat ain't the word. Nile Rodgers in a versus battle will make people feel real silly about themselves. That's all They'd say. be like, why did I even sign up for this? Why did <laughs> What was I thinking? But um, He really to... did write that. Because I, I just wanted to fact check Ben Oh, I, mean. I had to. I just did it myself because <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But yes, he wow. did write that among everything else in life. But how did y'all feel about, you know, the song choice right there? 
Well, and, th- and that's what I'm saying. That's why I was like laughing, but I was also conflicted. Like y'all just went through a fucking, uh, uh, I like mystic, mystic massacre. <laughs> that's the best way to Shogol put it. Shogol slaughter. Shogol slaughter. That's it. Then I mean, Shogol slaughter. And then for y'all, like for it to just be like literally at the snap of a finger, everything's good. Everything's great. You know, I, I oh, okay. It, it, it was weird. That was my initial action. I was just like, y'all are a little happy for after all that to happen. But then I was like, well, maybe they're just coping and they're happy that they're now in this mansion where they get their whims and desires met. Mm. But that's also something wrong. For me, I was like, is this, I was looking at it like, is this like a a nod towards like moving up, like moving, leveling up based on like white influence or whatever? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like whenever people... Whenever some you make it like a black person, a person of color makes a thing, and then it's like really highly lauded by white people. So then everyone's just like, you kind of get a big head. You're like, yeah, I'm up here. Like, I didn't, I've gone through a lot of crap. I happen mm-hmm. to get lucky, and people really like giving me, I got what I want now. So I'm just going to be happy with what I got. Like, I just, I happen to get the thing I wanted. And I also noted that, I mean, we're going to get there, but like, whenever they got to the hot room scene where all three of them kind of see each other um, mm-hmm. after being in their rooms, mm-hmm. I noted how Letitia was the only one whose clothes looked like mansion worthy, like, like leveled up oh. worthy. Like, Atticus and George's clothes are just so like basic and boring. And I'm like, they could have, why do they only give it's Letitia their same like, outfits, basically? <laughs> this clean like, versions, yeah. Yeah, I was like, why didn't they give like, they gave Letitia like a whole wardrobe? They couldn't give the guys like a couple of new outfits, like well, nothing. Well, we we find out later um, that like when they do meet up in the hallway, that neither Letitia Letitia nor George even remember the Shogoth slaughter happening, mm-hmm. and that's when you know something is amiss because yeah. for you to just forget something like that within what a two hour period or whatever how many you know just a few hours something off. Um, as far as her having all that fashion, you realize it's because those rooms were created or the stuff in the room was put there to hold them there, to give them everything they've ever could want. For Letitia, that's all fashion. And, you know, funny enough, as as Atticus points out, everything fit her perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I got that. But I was just like, they couldn't give them, slid a couple of outfits in there. Like, they have those black <laughs> You tie. just want them to look better. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a, just put a little of something, a little he panache wanted, on it. You just wanted to see my man be changing in a different outfit. <laughs> Y'all just need a nude scene man's, every episode. Right? Y'all using man's as a as a Ken I doll. I mean, my man strips later on in the episode. <laughs> right. Like, Come on now, patience. Y'all using man's as a Ken doll at this point. All right. Uh, and it, it also goes deeper than just her, you know, like being able to get dressed in like nice clothes. I think it's also like what Portia was talking about. It's like that acceptance. Yeah. You know, and that whole like, I'm here, I have the power. The clothes represent the, you know, the inner feeling that she gets from wealth all this thing mm-hmm. and it's like this is you now and she likes to put herself out there like she mm-hmm. she wants to to shine like you saw her behavior first episode the, i don't want to say behavior like it was wrong but you yeah. saw her behavior at the concert the black party mm-hmm. where she jumped on stage like most people like you know they do that fake she did that fake timid oh me <laughs> and then bust out with the you know the whole nine yards so mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that's her personality but yeah we find out that they don't even remember none of this stuff there's some spooky shit happening um, only Atticus remembers what's going on. Only Atticus is sitting there in his feelings, rightfully so. I'm also trying to understand just with Atticus' character, just in general, the fact that he's been in war, the fact that he has this horrible relationship with his father, like he just seems like he's covered in trauma at all times. And and 
I don't, except for like when he was, he first met up with Uncle George and stuff, he wasn't really smiling that much. Mm. Not to say that people should run around smiling, but it's just, <laughs> I just kept, every time he's around, I keep seeing pain mm-hmm. or I keep feeling pain or I just, I just don't see happiness. Well, I mean, you, you have that, you know, you have a black man dealing with, you know, 1960s America plus mm. the coming back from war and having done things in that war that we'll see. And there's also, it's just, that's something that we were talking about the last episode. Whenever, you know, black men, especially, I guess, every black people, when we go across the world and we see how we're treated in other countries, the difference, and then you return to America, mm-hmm. it's that, you know, fuck. Because <laughs> trust me, I've been there. Like, I have been there. And it come back like, oh, man, this shit again. And then, you know, you show golf slaughter. Like, come on. Like, let's not forget seeing a show golf bite a man's head off in front of you. Like, I, I was happy to see the policeman, but I'm not, you know, in Atticus's shoes right there. So. Right. I mean, you saying policeman, it reminds, it's reminding me of, like, when they actually sit down and have breakfast, and I know we're going to get there. But, like, I just, I want to get there because I have some, I have some yeah, thoughts because it was funny. Yeah. So, so moving on, you know, we finally, we also get to meet. I don't know. This is big. This is what we need to talk about right here. The meeting of this man. So, right. But first they meet one guy, a different guy first. They meet up with William. Yeah. Who, I I guess he's America's favorite house husband or something like that. I don't know who this nigga is. But, like, I I know who he is. But, like, where did he come from? So He's a kept man. He's just a man of leisure, you know? Clearly, like, he looks like a house husband of L.A. And he he rolls in, like, unannounced, very creepily, again, just shows up. Like, 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 you know, our crew is having a conversation amongst themselves, minding their business. And here come this dude. Um, you know, and then he goes, <clears throat> like the way he just shows up was very creepy, but, um, you know, he, he basically gives them the lay of the land in terms of where they are. They talks about the Braithwaite family. Um, he gives them some history as they're walking through. Um, one of the, one line he says that again, I was just like, get the fuck out of here was, um, they hear an alarm bell go off. And we find out it's the breakfast bell, but it does sound like a weird alarm. And, you know, the, the crew is, is mad, like, you know, they suspect, like, wait a minute, what's going on? And this white man, William, says, there's nothing to be alarmed about. And, like, with the camera just lingering on his face. And I'm just like, bro, all alarms. Set all alarms off there. Do need to get the, like, immediately I was like, we need to get the fuck out of this house. Well, that's part of it is also, like, Remember, William uh, brings him into the house. And this is something we have to talk about is the change from... It's seemingly a change from the book. Like, yeah, we've only seen up to these two episodes so far. We both, I've been watching them just as it goes along. And there's a change right now. We have... Before we... In the book, you have the character of Caleb Braithwaite, who is the son, who has now been changed to a Christina Braithwaite. Mm-hmm. And to me, at least so far, it seems like William is more playing the role of Caleb from the book. Like the, yes. the charmingly creepy yes. dude who knows what's up. He knows all the ill yeah, shit that's he going on. Yeah, and he has on, his own uh, plans in the back. But he got his own plans in the back. That's a good That's a good observation. That's true. I do think they gave that, or, or, or the, the motivations of Caleb from the book, they gave mm-hmm. that to William in the show. There we go. And that led into my one of my issues so far. You know, like I said, I'm just saying from the first two episodes that I've seen. Okay. Was that Christina, she doesn't have that charm. She's just creepy. She doesn't even seem <laughs> creepy. She, I mean, she, she, you know, she has RBF. 
um, resting bitch face. So she has she has constant RBF, and but but you find out later why really because you know yeah. she, she's over it. She's yeah. very jaded. Mm-hmm. So um, I, like she's just a completely. I mean, she's just a different take on it. And yes. and but I'm glad you brought it up because I did notice that she had another character where they changed it from a boy to a girl. Like mm-hmm. you know George and 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 um, Hippolyta's. Uh, was that their daughter or is that it's just... a, and the book is the son and then yeah, yeah. so now this and yeah. yeah it was a it was a son Whose and now daughter was, is it listen we're not even gonna, we're not even there yet <laughs> <laughs> point is we have we have trust a, no one anymore. we have another gender flip yeah that you know and before last week we talked about the, the gender flip of that of 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 George's son to a daughter make mm-hmm. change anything not really however this change. Yes, this this change of Caleb to Christina Braithwaite is going to have some long ranging implications to yes. it. Um, uh, like I said, they're they're walking through. They get the history of the manor of who's who. Um, <laughs> um, they come across this really warlock looking ass niggas painting, mm-hmm. and come to find out that's Titus Braithwaite, who is kind of the the progenitor of of this this manor, and who is I guess the eldest member that that's really started this whole thing of bringing all these white people together in this house bringing the whole Braithwaite the son of Adam the whole like the whole thing the started whole... a religion basically he started yeah. a religion yeah, that's cult, a great cult, way to say yeah, it yeah religion you know keep it real they're both the same this shit look like a Ghostbusters fainting where the eyes move oh nice one yeah <laughs> that, so was it Vigo Vigo yeah yo, Ghostbusters 2 classic yeah yeah Bobby um, Brown baby um <laughs> The other thing is you you also get to meet big, big character, Samuel Braithwaite. Mm. First of all, is President fucking Grant from Scandal. Boy. Uh, <laughs> what you say? <laughs> Boy. Boy. Um, but we don't uh, but, meet him until later, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a little... Uh, we, we, I mean, we, 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 get, we, we, we actually I mean, we, get yeah. towards there. So yeah. um, I'm trying to spin it up a little bit just to get us, to, to uh-huh. get us closer to that. But, um, you know, he... We learn that Samuel's trying to continue what Titus started, mm-hmm. which is like you said, create this religion, um, get the Braithwaite family closer to their common goal, which is power, power and immortality. immortality. And that's where Whiting on the Moon again shows up because it's like once again, there's all this other shit going on in the world, and yo ass is worried about immortality. You're, but that's the thing is like you already have so much power and you're obsessed with gaining more power. You're not even obsessed with like making the world better with your power. You just want more of it. Like you want to go to the moon and then control and colonize the space. That's what you want to do. But you don't actually literally or you're not in touch with what's going on with Earth, on Earth and you don't care about what's going on on Earth, honestly. Mm-hmm. And we also get an understanding or at least a, a surface understanding of uh, I almost called him President Grant. President Grant's uh, personality, but no, Samuel Braithwaite's personality. The fact that he he's like a he reminds me of like the you got your poor races and you got your rich races. Mm. He reminds me of those those white people who are just as bad as the poor races, but they stick their nose up at the the, the poor ones. Mm-hmm. So first, he you know he he doesn't he doesn't seem like he likes the word magic. He thinks the word magic is beneath him. He's like. Like what they're doing in that house, this isn't magic. We're, you know, we're using science mm-hmm. and we're using like, like he's trying to play it up like it's it's something more than what it really is. Like you're you're playing with fire, really. Um, 
And he prefers to see himself as a scientist. He doesn't think he's a he's a warlock or a magician or whatever you would call it. So he he already has this air, this mentality of being better than everybody, which I think is to his detriment after the fact, but that's important to note. Um, also, as they the crew is walking through and getting information and, and, and meeting all these different people, um, I wanted to make a point about the different art that they see in the house because mm. um, we we looked up every piece of art that we were able to like literally like see pretty clearly, and a lot of them are all focused on the Bible Genesis, um, particularly of the Great Flood. Mm-hmm. I noticed most of the art in the mansion has been changed from their original uh that they're either based off of or the actual painting so like you said this this particular one um again it's called the black crest of death the gold wreath of war um if you crop out death then that plays into what they are talking about they're talking about they only believe in immortality they don't believe in entropy or death they just want to keep living forever so that's why they would manipulate and i guess that's also brazen how do you manipulate classic art because it to fit your own narrative um that happened uh there's another painting that shows um like all the animals can you talk about that one but that one's that one shows up in the surgery um so okay. whenever we later on in the episode we meet sam brathwaite and he has his whole monologue i don't know if, i don't know if you want to wait on that one because it's a whole monologue on genesis and um adam and what he gave mm-hmm. but, of his but body. just about what just generally what all these paintings are about because that this is yeah. Again, this is just all about how they are manipulating kind of philosophy and life to their own doing, to their own whims, to their own thoughts and, and, and desires. Which is what modern day and religion has done since the beginning of time, right? It's take mm. stories and then manipulate them. to Like whenever people give sermons, they manipulate the stories of the Bible to tell the story that they want to tell. Mm-hmm. Like that's what. Whenever they wrote the stories in the Bible, they wrote them as they wanted to tell them. Like it's, this isn't like it was dictated it was like people mm-hmm. translated it over time they translated it the way they wanted to translate it so yeah, that still happens yeah. today so like that's what happens in the surgery scene is we see sam brathwaite uh tell the story of adam in a way that's it furthers his mission mm. and the painting that he has sitting up in the surgery kind of like does that so it has like all the animals of the human of the world two by two going to painting. noah's ark yeah it's not even like Noah's Ark. It's just like the Garden of Eden. Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. we know that like the uh, sons of Adam are obsessed with the Garden of Eden. They feel like that's the portal to immortality is to go back to the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to me how all of the depictions of like human life as at the beginning are all of white people when we know that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we there, there's a lot more to break down about that. I definitely want to talk about. But. Something before that, just a minor shout out, like before we even get into the whole surgery sequences, when they're at the brunch and they can't remember anything. And he talks about, you don't remember the cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. And the cabin in the woods, for those who don't know, is this film. It's about four or five years old now at this point. And it tells a story about these kids who go into this cabin in the woods. And it feels like a very typical horror story at the beginning of it. Kids trapped in a cabin in the woods. There's monsters outside that are killing them off one by one. But then you find out that all the monsters that are attacking them are controlled by this corporation. And the corporation is doing all these things all around the world to stop the awakening of the old ones. Yeah, that's what they're doing in the film is they're sacrificing young kids so that the old ones don't awaken. And they're doing these things all around the world. And the kids in the cabin in the woods fail. I mean, they win. They beat the monsters. 
thus they fail and the old ones Cthulhu and the like awaken at the end of the movie and destroy the world. Oh, so that was a very purposeful placement by Misha. Thank yes. you. <laughs> oh, that shout out the cabin That's in the a, woods line yeah. was a super. And I purple, figured that was the case. It was a but... super purple, purposeful um, placement because the connection of Cthulhu and all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the cabin in the woods is one of the last films that I know of to make a huge connection to Cthulhu and the whole Lovecraftian mythos. Yeah, yeah, I love that whole scene because it's like whenever Atticus is trying to get them to remember, and he's like, "You don't remember? I shot the sheriff." And then, oh my um, god! And then <laughs> when uh, Letty said, "You shot the shot sheriff,", the sheriff? And, I, and I love that they like were repeating the "I shot the sheriff" because it's like it reminds you of the song, like "I yes. shot the sheriff." And it, I yeah. was like waiting for him to say, "But I didn't shoot the deputies." Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, yo, if, but see, that would have been corny if it happened. Yeah. But I was waiting but for Uncle Chore to jump in and say that dumb shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was some of the best lines. <laughs> you shot the sheriff, and then. Of course, I shot the sheriff. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> that was so great. But then, oh yeah, they also um, go down and this, like, all right, this is where I gotta talk about, man. This is where I like. I've, my main problem with this whole episode is that I just felt like it was rushed. I felt like this episode could have been two episodes. It definitely could have been two, and yeah. that was my biggest problem because, uh, and I hate being that person, but in the book, you know, <laughs> but it just felt like a lot of things that were developed just a little bit more weren't developed enough in this episode because of time. Like when they go through the town looking, the village looking for the Montrose for his father, you don't get that feeling that you got in the book that Atticus is there because of a reason. Because in the book, you see the villagers coming up to him. They are deferential to him. They get out of his way. They don't even act like these people are there on this. Yeah, they were, yeah. Like I mean, said, my literally, there was a point yard. where, right, he was standing in the yard he's and they just like ignoring him. And they run right by him like he's a ghost. Yeah, I mean, I, I will second your opinion about thinking that this could have been split into two episodes. Um, and and only because, you know, the, the, and, and maybe at the grand scheme of things, that that's mm-hmm. not what Misha, you know, Misha maybe doesn't care relevant. about what, what, what the villagers are doing. That, yeah. that has nothing to do with it. It's just that I was... When we when, like for this whole episode to conclude, like get to the point of opening the door and all this other stuff, the portal, I was like, wait a minute, this is fast. So yeah. I will say, if you're a book reader and you're just trying to follow along sequentially, you're gonna have to flip like through, like literally between 30 pages back and forth because it speeds it up considerably. Mm-hmm. So again, for me personally, this isn't to say it's bad, it's just it is a departure from from the sequence in the book. Um, and also just a departure in, in how you you become acquainted with that whole area of Artem in which, you know, all these people live. And then also, I, like, I was just going to say ahead. that I actually liked, like, having read the book, I actually liked that they skipped. Mm. Like, I, I was like, I don't want for Atticus is, because I know there's other portions of the book, like other vignettes that are, are to come. And I was thinking if the pacing for Atticus's, like, point of view portion from the book takes longer than two episodes, then we're not really going to be able to get Mm. to the other vignettes in a timely manner and I want the full thing to play out. I don't want to be stuck looking for Montrose for three episodes. Like that's <laughs> that's true. Too much. They they like, that that chapter was want... really long for them looking for him. I, I was lie. like, I don't okay. want to be on a journey to find your father <laughs> for like a good chunk of like I don't want to be devoted to that. I want us to go on and get to the bigger themes here. Mm. And I think and that, just that's trying Misha's to find point. this yeah. one father this whole time. That's just like a journey that was like for what? Like do you know yeah. how many movies there are about finding your loved one? Like, I don't need it. Especially your daddy. That's it. That's all. Awesome. I will yeah. find you and I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> I will find you. 
So, like you said, after they did the brunch, they went into town to try to figure. They just again trying to figure out where the fuck they are and what's going on with this whole town. Yeah. Oh, like just for one minute, I mm-hmm. want to get back to the fact that they are going into town too because um, William has told them that like Montrose is in Boston and he's there with Christina or whatever, and none of them believe that. They all are like Christina from right here, yeah. right? They're like, so that's her car out front. He's like, oh, she's mini cars, right? And so, like, but they they haven't seen Christina there yet. They they mm-hmm. don't know that she's there on on the campus or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I liked um, that, like, the whole time that they were like discussing with William, Atticus was like very much in his face about like, I don't believe you. Like, I just I'm going to keep picking at what your words that you're saying because I don't really believe you. And I liked that when it came to them going to the village, it was like they were all like on kind of like even though. Um, Letty speaks up saying that she thinks that like Atticus is a little bit too suspicious about things and that like she thinks the war has done something to his mind especially mm-hmm. for him remembering the monsters that they don't um, I liked the fact that even though she's having her own like misgivings about what Atticus was thinking that they were all on board with like oh no but we none of us believe everything that this white man is telling us is true either Absolutely. So I like that that's what drove them to go together to the village. And also, none of them are going to split up like dumbasses oh, in any horror movie. Notice, which is another once again, out. once yeah. again, horror movie trope too that's been dashed. First, when you run, you ain't falling and tripping. You're going no. full fucking tracks, Olympic Flojo speed. Smooth. You saw how Letitia booked. Yes. And as you said, you're not splitting up. We're no. sticking together. Uh, they made it clear we're not sticking, you know, we're not splitting up. Um, but, you know, th- th- Black people, we this is the way we win horror, okay? <laughs> this, this, is this, is, this is how we make it. <laughs> Stay skeptical. <laughs> don't fall. This is how we make it out. Yeah. Um, usually we're the first to go. But uh, uh, yeah, so uh, towards what Benjamin was saying before, they get into the, the, the village. It's very strange because to me, they were reacting like they weren't there, like they were invisible. Mm-hmm. Atticus was all up in some family's yard and no, the kids nor the family nor the parents nor nobody was really paying him any mind. I was just like, first of all, that's just just off GP. Like if somebody was just in my yard that I didn't know, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, like, are you okay? Do you need help? You lost something. Like no one was saying anything. They were walking pretty much un, uninhibited. Um, they happened upon this stone tower. Yep. Uh, which is again weird because it, as as Uncle George says, it's the only stone building in the entire town. Um, you know what's going on? They're looking for Montrose. Putting two and two together, they're like Uncle George says. You know what? That must be the jail or something. That mm-hmm. must be where they hold him. Of course, they go to investigate, and we meet another character from the book, Dell. Yep. Dell is the woman that's holding the two uh, dogs who's blowing the whistle, the same whistle sound or similar whistle sound that Atticus heard back when they were in the Shogoth slaughter. Mm-hmm. That Hearing that whistle triggers him because he's like, wait a minute, where's that sound coming from? That's the person who controlled the Shogoths. This is the person who's the bane of our existence right now. We need to go get him. He runs up to Dell and has a, a delightful conversation. Delightful. Well, well, well Uncle, Uncle George, but they have a delightful conversation. Dell's just <laughs> as helpful as good old Sheriff Hunt, boy. <laughs> Like these, these white people are just so helpful, you know, just trying to make sure they get back home by dinner, you know, don't get lost at night, you know, stay away, shows oh them God. the innards of everything. No, this whole uh, conversation to me felt straight out of like, I mean, Dale felt straight out of the goddamn Walking Dead. I spent the call to come wandering over Coral. or something. Like it was just, the, that scene once again, I, I feel you, Portia, I, you hit it right on the head. I don't want to spend three episodes looking for this Facts. Negro either. Facts. But at the same time, 
it just felt so rushed. Like, they just run up and start barking on Shorty. <laughs> you know, like, like, if I was there, I'd be like, who the hell are these Negroes to, you know, be talking to well, me? Well, like it's just, this? and I guess, you know, maybe, obviously, the, the, their anger and yeah. other stuff. It's just like, and, you know, at the end of the day, and let me think about it real, like, real life. If it was you and your fam, I'm and they said, right, and they said, "Yo, your cousin, your cousin Chancy is in the cut," you know, over there. Or, or we think we think the white folks took him. You rolling up? You but pulling see, up? Other problem, like, you pulling up? No questions asked, and you and you barking on people asking questions. Those, you know, you know, like you're not waiting. That's my other problem. All Shorty got is two dogs. You know, like I'm but going dogs to are can hurt. Dogs are a problem. She was and they were like mad, German shepherds. She was talking mad stuff for someone who only has two dogs. Like That's she was talking saying. real friendly. Like she knew that she could sit up there and kill all of them. No, no questions asked. It, it was a lot of people in this episode who would have gotten slapped. Is yeah. all I'm saying. Like, um, in a second, Christina would have got slapped. Sammy would have got slapped earlier. Uh. Bell would have got slapped right then. What's funny is in the book, Caleb Braithwaite warns Atticus. He's when he first meets Samuel Braithwaite. Yeah. He said, "Oh well, my father has a, you know, basically he said his father has a sharp tongue, and he might you might want to slap him." Mm-hmm. So for me, should have just multiply that by damn near everybody. Everybody should have got slapped in this. Way. <laughs> <laughs> but Catch they the fade. But I, 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 I felt. But you know, we'll, we'll see what happens because you know people eventually do yeah. get slapped. Yeah, so they had this horrible conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, um, dripping lace with racism, amongst oh, other things. It was so good. Del, Del is Del is insufferable. She's um, you like know. she's so racist that yeah. it's kind of like I don't even know what to do with her. Like I don't even. And I was and I, I was it. I was half expecting for Del. Like I just have expecting for her to look different based on. What the book, what happens with Dell later in the book or whatever? Mm. I was expecting. For in, her in the to book, be... she's supposed to have really like brazen red hair or, or fiery red hair mm-hmm. and very pale skin. This one, she just looked like Walking she, Dead. She looked like Walking Dead. You're right. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Well, they bounce. Um, they're wandering through the woods, and you know it's bad. Shug off again, like. Oh, the shug off whistle. I mean, we also have you know we yeah. also learn about uh, George. Knowing more about this goddamn family history than you know. <laughs> Once again, we said at the first we said the first episode of this podcast. Uncle George knows way more than he's letting on. Way more. Way more. But the way that he let this this like family history go, like that was like the clue right there. Like that was the clue that you just like. And then whenever we we find out the actual things later on in the episode, we're like, bet because that explains so much. Like mm-hmm. George is like. Cause it what tri- what is it that like he there's a note from should, that William said earlier like William said something yes and then George takes that to the next degree and connects the dots whenever they are walking through the woods he's like wait this plus the village equals a reminder of like um my your mom told me Atticus that her she had <laughs> um her grandmother had like escaped. From a white family or whatever, and blah blah blah. Like, why did you fire. say this? Oh yeah, why did you say this when we were figured out it was Artem? Like, yeah, you knew what that you knew what the name of that town meant. Like, yeah. it had it had symbolism in your head. Yeah, this was not this was nothing. This Negro knew everything. All that BS about the he was clued in by what's his name? No, he knew from gate. But okay, but I'm saying like whenever William no when William mentioned the fire, did you see the face the face that George made when William William mentioned the fire during the hallway mm-hmm. trip? No, because, it, it's, it might have woke him up. But what I'm saying yeah. is George knew. You saw the face, like we said in the last episode, you saw the face George made when he first mentioned the family. Because George knows way too goddamn much, and he's letting it loose when it's now he want to talk. 
You know, but like he said, oh, I could have said all this a long time ago, but I've been silent. All right, we're going to get to that. But George, you know, George, like we said before, knows too much. And something we missed in the first episode is let me let's talk about George's griminess. This Negro is carrying around a picture of Shorty in his wallet. Dora. Dora. Which we're going to learn Dora. more about. I was Not thinking, his wife. I didn't know he had that picture in I his didn't wallet. realize either. I didn't know who that, that was. I was like, I was trying to get benefit of the doubt. I was like, let me not think that this is him and some like Fam. former lover. Let me think this is like his sister that's who passed away. That? Some Maury shit. Let me say this is like his mom whenever <laughs> she was wallet? younger. I was like, let me just not think that this man has someone he was like used to be in love with in his wallet while he's married to a whole other woman. Let me just Yes, he did. Woo! So, so George, you know, finally starts talking, and that's when the Shaw Golf decide to yeah, roll up. Yeah, yeah, they're in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> the cabin in the woods. They're in the woods, still doing looking for Montrose. Shaw Golf show up. They, they, they. It was scary how they showed up too. But the Shaw Golf show up. They're they just surrounded up from the ground. And once again, trauma ensues. Yeah, and then you hear the whistle go off. That dog whistle sound go off again, and you see, you know, Cape Crusader Christina. And friends, I called up. her the White Knight. I was like, Christina's coming through here looking like the White Knight on her valiant steed with her blazing her wig, silver her hair, platinum blonde yeah. wig. Uh, you know, she 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 calls it. So apparently, obviously, we knew, but now you are confirmed that she has been controlling the Shogos. Um, she whistles them away, and she goes and she says to Dell, because Dell is Dell is kind of ri- walking walking or riding right behind her. Um, she says tells Dell to take. George and Letitia back into their rooms, make sure they stay there, but bring Atticus to the lab with her father. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's again, that's when you formally meet Samuel Braithwaite and you hear all his foolishness. And, and I know, Portia, you wanted to talk about his speech that he gives. Yeah. So in his speech, he um, he talks a lot about like the Garden of Eden and um, like the in Genesis and the Bible. And he asked... Um, Christina to actually like say verbatim, like repeat verbatim the um, text from the Genesis that he's like talking about. And I didn't write mm-hmm. that down. Ooh. That's okay. But, I get a chapter. He made her, he made her uh, recite chapter and verse. Yeah. Um, but basically he's using that as like, he's to talk about like white male supremacy and how like um, Adam is the one who named the beast and the fowl and Adam is, and he's saying Adam is, uh, is, is a white man basically. Um, and it, he's using that to be say that like Adam had control of the beast and he gave part of himself. And before um, he starts giving the speech, we come on to him and he's the one who is laying on a table, having a piece of his own body taken out of, without any anesthesia. Was that his liver or spleen or something? I'm like, it has to be something he could live without. So I'm like, is it that his appendix? Like, I don't know. What what body part do you have two of that you can give one? Is a it, kidney. Is it a kidney. But kidney. your appendix you don't need. So you could take an appendix and nothing yes. would happen. Um, so that's what we come on is like he's just, uh, he's just sitting there kind of like screaming or whatever on the table while they take the body part out. And he just gets up, ropes himself like he's fine and gives a speech. Um, and Christina makes a point to talk about, well, like, you couldn't take you can't be talking literally from the text because uh we know that that this isn't all apply and that like this doesn't credit like women and then she kind of nods over to Atticus like and you know other people and it's like dude you don't even have like I already know your whole scheme of play here is that like you should have the same amount of power as the white men um mm-hmm. and the order that's here mm-hmm. because uh you're uh and you just feel uh segregated from that because you're a woman but you're still white you're still getting all the things from this and then she like 
um, Atticus talks to her about that. He's like, you feel away because um, you haven't been given the same kind of allowances yeah. that like these other these white men have, but just because you're a woman. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, this is like this is just textbook. Um, I mean, white feminism. Yeah. it's white fem. I mean, and I actually wrote that like literally that that phrase white feminism. Christina is the embodiment of that. She is the suffrage jet movement. She is Susan B. Anthony in this bitch. She's the one who's using black people to to further her own goals. But and her own goals is about making sure that she gets on top, because at the end of the day, she feels like she should be involved in all this. She should she should wield as much power as the others. And the only thing that stops stops that from happening is that she's a woman. Never mind the fact that she's a white woman, but she's a woman. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to point out a couple of things about the whole Adam and Eve and the surgery and everything. I'm wondering if the surgery, first off, is that like an allusion to Adam having his rib taken out of him I was to, thinking probably. to create Eve? And then also the whole idea of Adam and Eve in the Garden of... Um, innocence whatever you want to call it um is that when they eat the from the tree of knowledge they fall from innocence and in most bible stories it's taught that when it's eve who gives adam the the apple from the Mm -hmm. tree of knowledge the serpent the devil influences her and he and she gives him so eve is blamed for For adam's downfall Mm-hmm. Eve is blamed for everything. everything. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, she's blamed for why mankind is where we are. Yep. It's her fault that women have periods. Yep. There's all yeah. sorts of no. things that you okay. read in the Bible. But here's the thing. It's not that, like, no, if you have, um, depending on how you read the Bible, no matter what, women are going to have periods. The reason that they're painful periods is because Oh, painful. Eve. That's, I'm sorry, you're yeah. right. Painful. <laughs> yeah. Well, either way. So there we go. So Eve <laughs> is responsible for all this. And so it's, I mean, it's not interesting. It's just the, what it is. And that's why it is the sons of Adam, et cetera, and not the daughters of Adam, blah, blah, blah. And that's why Christina does feel, you know, a type of way. And I wouldn't say yeah. understandably. Once again, I Christina was just my, like, whole issue with her is she doesn't have that smoothness. You know, why does she have to? Not every character has to be smooth. Not every character has to be smooth. But I'm like, God damn, girl, you get more bees with honey than with vinegar. Like when she like when she's in there in the ben, hallway afterwards and she's sitting there telling him not all white men not all white people are out to ditch Ben she's a, a typical Twitter user okay but and, at the same time and and Ben like it doesn't that sound very damn it doesn't cost a smile that sounds very much no like no that. I'm saying totally no I'm saying who's talks like this but who it's Christina. Who, if you're trying to convince somebody to get down with you, you don't say she, not all white people are like to her get you. father. She believes people are beneath her. She knows she feels she is. I mean, she she reminds me of lots of villains or or, or, or pseudo villains that you see in in cartoons and comics and all sorts of things where it's just like, um, let's let's put it this way: Lex Luthor could change his tone and maybe people would would, would fuck with him a little bit more, but he mm-hmm. don't because he's like, why should I? I'm smarter yep. than you. I'm more powerful than you. I know the way. This is the right way. I'm gonna do it my way. But so she had that same view. And and that to me, that's just her personality. So yeah. I didn't have a problem with her not being smooth. I, yeah, okay. I, I don't care that she's not um, not as like charismatic as like Caleb is in the books or whatever. Because I feel like her whole point is to be, to make this point that if I were a white man, y'all wouldn't care. And I think that's her whole reason of, mm-hmm. like that she acts like that she acts. is like, mm-hmm. I can act this way. And if you don't treat me right, I'm going to just say you don't treat me right. Because you wouldn't care if I was a white man if I actually mm-hmm. acted like this. And that's true. She would still have the same amount of power and she could act, uh, if she were a man and she didn't smile and she didn't care about crap, they, 
they would still treat her like she was supposed to like have things. So she's going to act like entitled. But I think for specifically for her, how she acts to Atticus, I think that I don't know that she really quite believes that she needs to talk to Atticus like he's on her level. Like, I don't think she really, mm-hmm. even though she acknowledges that Atticus's like bloodline actually puts him ahead of her she doesn't think that she has to change herself and how she like to like actually revere or talk to Atticus nicer because what's the point she still thinks that she's better so I Mm -hmm. I think that's the whole point for her but I also think that she doesn't she says stuff that are kind of like ally adjacent but are not true to her heart because like she's over here talking about um, mm-hmm. like, like how to get like talking about talking to Atticus like she understands him while also taking place in watching Black Pain whenever she gives them all they all have visions she one gave them the visions and two is sitting back watching all the with the other white men just sitting here watching them all go through their pain and struggle and mm-hmm. she d- doesn't care about it so oh, no, she has yeah she has no love for him for them for people for all, i mean it's all about herself and yeah i mean she's true to form to herself and and her personality just fits in with with her determinations which mm-hmm. is she needs to get she needs to attain power that she should be included she should have a seat at the table yep and i don't think she should smile or anything like that don't get no, me wrong. I, no yeah. no i did yeah yeah don't 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 have me over here talking about this woman needs to talk <laughs> yeah no because it's not about smiling i just think that she is but i guess that's just her you know she's just a cold and human ass you know like i mean and think about it. what was her upbringing if to 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 be smart to to have all this power i mean magic or otherwise and to still be overlooked yeah to 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 attain the throne if you will like that's going to make you feel some type of way, too. You might be a little salty. Mm. You might be like, oh, here come this nigga to take yeah. my throne. Like, oh, no, definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But it's like, I'm like, God damn, girl, you, but she, you but got she's, no she's game. But she's just generally like You that, got yeah. no game. At least, you know, like have game. That's all I'm talking about. But I also feel like she think, like she's probably gone through enough things where she's tried to be agreeable um, mm-hmm. to a certain point, and she's not seen anything come from it. So she's like, mm-hmm. why, why the F should I even try? And it's also like... um. Again, oh, like Nero, right? But also, just like, <laughs> and who? not in those words. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't like I could just see her like she's being raised with like just you don't really see her mother like her her mother isn't mentioned so she's been raised primarily by this very strict very like patriarchal freaking white supremacist father. She's mm-hmm. going to think that the only way to get ahead is to not show emotion because that's what she's been taught that emotion is not helpful. That's what women, those are lots of, I mean, including myself, like when you go into corporate world and things like that, like you, you, the same, like if you do the same thing that a man would do, or if you say it in the same way or whatever, you get policed for it or you get tone police and you get it. Oh, well you can say that a little nicer. I mean, it's happened to me where I've rewritten the same basic ass email several times, sat there for five minutes trying to rewrite it because it's like, Oh, does this sound too far forward? Oh, they're going to say that I have an attitude. Mm -hmm. Whereas my, my, colleague could write the same exact email no one says no one bats an eyelash so it, it is something that you constantly are suffering against as a woman mm. and i like what you just said there portia because it's also it relates to this whole episode of people not being able to show love yep because that you know turns up and that's why george is so grimy and all, you know but we gonna get into all that because uh then we had to roast the scene i think yet in this uh yo, yo, this shit is real. now is this and maybe this happened a few seasons before, but it happens right there where, remember how, I did, we just mentioned how the Shogoth showed up again mm-hmm. when the crew was in the woods. 
But right after the Shogoths leave, Letitia and George don't remember. Yep. They li- like literally this like literally a second after the Shogoths leave, they don't remember that they just encountered them. Oh, this is all right and, now. And yes. and you know they they because Atticus told him earlier that this happened, and Letitia's like, oh, it happened again. Mm-hmm. So at this point. <laughs> Atticus is like, you need to release that spell, yeah. whatever the fuck you got on them. Because apparently they have a spell that whenever anyone sees a struggle, they forget that that happened so that they keep, um, Christina and friends keeps the, you know, the secrecy of their, of their animals, of their protection animals. Yep. They keep that going. But um, Atticus demands, take this spell off of them. Like they, why would you prevent them from remembering everything that's happening? And she looks at him and, and she, again, she's just so fucked up. <laughs> Christina is so fucked up. She removes the spell. Like she just kind of just waves her head. She doesn't really do anything much. She just kind of goes, okay. She removes the spell and you immediately hear Letitia screaming. Yeah. Because I'm thinking like all the, the memories are rushing back to her. But then something else starts happening. Uh, but that's all before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, but, the screaming but, comes from the memories rushing. Yeah, yeah. That's the but that's the screaming. In in doing that, she 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 basically removes one spell to place another spell. Yeah, basically that you, that that starts to in this new scene that you're about to get into starts to form. Yeah, and you also see right there uh, our first well, not probably not our first, but one of the most obvious uses of the language of Adam. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. also in the bridge later on, but we see it right there along the edges of his door. Yeah, the port, the the barrier. The barrier. Oh, the I, barrier. oh yeah. I want to note that that was something that I really loved the consistency of throughout the episode yeah. was yeah. that every time you see a spell kind of enacted, like you see that the runes are somewhere nearby, so they mm-hmm. they sparkle, like they glow, like this orange kind of glow mm-hmm. whenever whenever they're activated. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you can, I love that it was consistently throughout the episodes. It's like whenever magic is done, you see like what the spell uh, written enchantment is or whatever kind of activate itself. Yep. So right there we see um, him being trapped in the room while his people are screaming. They're getting all the memories back, but she traps him in the room and bounces to go deliver a Shogoth out of a cow. <laughs> Um, I, that's why I was like, okay, that's why I was like, everything's going left now. Because I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. Now, okay, there's a couple things here. I had to Google, do some Googling. I'm like, I know this has to reference some type of horror it has movie. To. There's a 2005 film called Isolation about these cows that get infected by something. But I'm not even sure if that's what this is referencing. I do think it might be in the film Slither. Because Slither oh. is another film about aliens, slugs, and coming out some, of cows. There's some farms and there's some cows in it. I think the cow at one point gets infected. I can't remember if the cow actually does get infected by the slugs, but yes. I'm not sure. But it also is really just a scene to show you that Christina is twisted as fuck because this woman is over here, damn near crying over giving birth to a Shogoth. Or not giving birth, she delivers a Shogoth baby out of a cow. She she saw she had the look on her face like it was the best joy in the world. Yes. Like she just got a new puppy. Yeah. Like she she was like, oh my God, the birth of my son. Like it was one of her own. And it was I her first was time weird. getting to do it. The villagers asked her, has she done this before? And she's like, no, this is my first time ever. Do getting... the question. Yes. Is there a spell on the villagers? Like, do they realize this is a show off or does it look like a cow to them? Like, because that's Good the question. other part. Because, again, once again, the villagers is not reacting to this. And she damn near kissing this thing. Right. So I'm like, well, you know, like, like for example, for Dell, Dell clearly saw the show off and didn't mm-hmm. react. So maybe the whole village knows about it and, like, it's just normal life to them. My question or is. Or are they under something else? 
my question is, are the villagers the Shoggoths? Like, are they, because like the, because clearly they can also be humans because the sheriff got turned into one. So are the villagers Shoggoths themselves? And- oh, are the villagers Shoggoths uh, so. that used to be humans that they got changed no, to Shoggoths? <laughs> one, it's nighttime already when she's delivering the Shoggoth and the Shoggoth is a Shoggoth and that sheriff ain't turning back. Into no goddamn <laughs> human after that. That man is a show golf for life. Are now. you sure though? Because like I mean, because they made the analogy to vampires and Dracula or whatever, and like vampires don't always appear to be vampires or whatever. But show golf in um, in, at least in Lovecraftian mm-hmm. mythology, are just show golf. That's it. You know, okay. one, they are so they're they, show golf for like life. Like an animal, a class of animal. Yeah, it monster is. It or is a, yeah, it's a and okay. it's a distrust. And also, as we see the things, where them hundred eyes going to? Like no. Vampires, you know, vampires, <laughs> like, they turn into bats and shit. Like, no, Shogolf I mean, is Shogolf. It disgusting. might be a spell. Who knows? Maybe they just down with Shogolf. Maybe everybody loves Shogolf. Everybody know? loves Shogolf? <laughs> um, You mentioned how, and Portia mentioned how, like, you see the runes activate when Atticus is trying to get out of his room that he's now trapped in. Mm-hmm. And as far as you know, he's trapped in that bitch. That's, that, you know, that's some super magic shit. He doesn't, as we don't, he doesn't have any any spells or anything to cast, he's in there. But then the next part, like a little bit ahead, you see him make it or bang his way or, 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 or force his way into Letitia's room. Yeah. And I, um, again, like I, I don't know. Or you think you see Atticus yes, force his way comes into mm-hmm. Letitia's room. room. <laughs> they have a very heartfelt conversation where Letitia reveals her past and about how her mother left her. And how she, you know, remember how she couldn't believe she remembered the Bible verse that she was quoting the night before or praying to. The she night was praying before. that she was going to uh, walk through the valley of the shadow of yep. death. I would fear and no she's evil, like, yeah. I, I can't believe I remember that. So she tells him this very heartfelt conversation. And then they kiss. It's and interesting how. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me get my point out, please, right here. And they, they, you know, because right there, that's the problem, like, that I had is the fact that Letitia. Whether or not, okay, now we can argue that, you know, they're under the influence of this house. There's some magic on their mind. It's not just them making the decisions. But Letitia clearly leans in for this kiss. She's got some, you know, unless she doesn't have some feeling for Atticus already. Which, okay, I get it. You know, they're attractive. But in this situation, it's like... Fam, but, right but, now. But listen, that's also a horror movie trope. You yeah, know, like that, like like people wanted to do stuff like have sex in the middle of <laughs> it raining blood. Yes, and stuff. but the black people are supposed to be smarter than this, and Letitia fucking Hawkins. Listen, like I said, I think yes, it was a it was some they were under some magical duress okay. that 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 I guess sped that along of yes. of her wanting to be sexual with him. But I also think it's a couple of things. It's her true feelings for Atticus coming out. She she ha- she has feelings for him in some way. But I also think it's the fact that being that she was she she just she was in all the traumatic experience. She just got all of her memories back. Uh, she thinks she's alone. She Atticus runs in there, her savior. And she talks about her past, which is more tra- this more dredging up of trauma and just and just uh, the trauma sandwich, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then you finally have someone that you trust and care for that's there, that's going to be by your side and put their arms never around you. you. I'm never abandoned. Now it, fe- it may feel corny, but it's just like I can see, like mm-hmm. you, you, you've been, you have all this negativity, and finally you have a light in the dark. And them guns. you're gonna lean in towards it, and the guns, and the Jonathan Major guns. <laughs> 
the gun you, you, may, you may lean in towards yeah. that so i don't blame her and i'll like what also yeah she's in a very vulnerable place and too like all the artwork around her is very erotica very like let's mm-hmm. let's get it on so it's like i'm like this pa- there's love spells and other stuff going like, on in yeah there. there's like a mood set yes. okay let's hope so because i was you know yeah. Come on, Letitia fucking yeah. Hawkins. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, this, another another somebody got to get slapped. But literally <laughs> effing Hawkins. Yeah. 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 So so I mean, they're kissing, and then you know they're starting to get a little bit more hot and heavy, and then the scene switches to see yeah. what Uncle George is doing. No, actually, to see what Atticus is doing first, and that's oh, to see what Atticus is doing. That's Excuse how me. we realized that it ain't that's Atticus. Right. You're right. We we go see what Atticus is doing. What who we thought was Atticus is not. Yeah, nigga uh, Atticus. Atticus, over here. Atticus is still stuck in his room. And I'm like, right, nigga Atticus. I'm like, who the hell is this with yeah. Letitia? So I'm starting to get nervous because I'm thinking of like sexual assault and all this other stuff. Which it is. Uh, which it is. And uh, Atticus is basically, oh, he's tapping on the walls. More strode on the he's, walls. He's tapping more on the walls because he's right. He's in a room right next to Uncle George. Yep. He's tapping on the walls to Uncle George to try to give him some information about what's happening. And he sends the Morse code of wizards. Uh, wizards. To give Uncle George the some some clues about there's some stuff going on, some magical shit going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncle George, you know, he he's taking this in, he's trying to figure out some more information, but then he hears another sound. He also found a secret room earlier in the episode, and he's been yes. sitting in the secret room trying to figure yes. out what's going on. And so that clue that Atticus gives him helps him with the secret room. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he hears another sound. Uh, or he he sees or feels a presence in the room. Yeah, and this is where we find out Grimy George, you know, like this man here has been was porking his brother's wife. Now is that really what what this was? See, that was that was what was confusing to me because that was confusing. It seems yes. like when they when they tell they're talking to each other, it sounds like they all grew up together in Tulsa, mm-hmm. and somehow she ended up marrying Montrose, but we don't know how far along the, in their relationship she marries Montrose and what when this all transpires, like at her getting pregnant, or we don't know that part. Uh, what we do know is that George was, you know, uh, getting up in double WAP. <laughs> like, that's what we do know. We do know that George is most probably the father of Atticus. And we did not know this before this scene. We knew that there was something going on. It wasn't right. But when Ghost Menega Nora over here. Dora. Dora. Menega Dora over here reveals that your children, you can fly with your children. That's when I was like, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. As far as I knew, this man got one daughter. And she just said, you can fly with your children. So, mm, mm. Mm. Dora Freeman. But we gotta also think about the fact that this is Dora all explorer. a vision. Yeah. I mean, George is the explorer. <laughs> but like, <laughs> he was spelled Lunkin. Yes. But this <laughs> is also a vision or whatever. So this could also just be what he wants to hear. He wants to hear her say that Atticus is definitively uh, his uh, son. <laughs> that, that's his son. Like, like yeah, I mean, Come on. It, I'm it, just know. saying, uh, this is a vision. It's like they're trying to, they're because what it is, is that Christina set up a way to get to know the inner workings of these people so she can use it to her advantage later. And they're putting mm-hmm. it on display for other people to watch it. If that's how this whole vision is set up, it's to kind of poke at what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. They have uh, Letty almost getting get it on with George. And we find out later why that means a lot to her. We also get to for um, not later in this episode, but later in the series, we find out what it's about to her, and then we also get to um, 
George get a hearing definitively from this woman that he loved who keeps a picture up on his wallet that the son that he's he's always figured was his son or whatever mm-hmm. is definitively his son. We don't mm-hmm. know that's for sure. We just know that's what he probably wants to hear. And then for yeah. Atticus, because he's already in a like very embattled state, we see him battling with a person that he's in, that he loves. So it's like, is it that we're actually getting the truth here or are we getting what the characters want, like what their desires are? Well, that's a question because right. also afterwards, Atticus says that he did something horrible in the war while he's battling who I think is Gian, the same person he was on the phone with earlier. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, he, I said, not to be outdone, Atticus is in there with his own magical white man power bullshit going on. Yeah, and so he fighting. says, while she is trying to kill him, he says, I won't do it. Mm-hmm. So, but then he does flip and starts choking her out. Mm-hmm. He said, when he comes out of the room, he says he did something horrible in the war, but we've also seen him on the phone with this person. Mm-hmm. Maybe he did kill, do you think he killed a woman or some, uh, during the war and that's what weighs heavily on his mind? It like, what he killed was it? one woman and fell in love with another woman? I don't know. I mean, double up. Or uh, maybe it's just like a, it's like a sign for innocence. Like this is like a, a symbol of innocence for him. Like he probably, maybe he killed someone innocent person during the war mm-hmm. and he like for for him like they're kind of like a she's a symbol of innocent innocence yeah yeah, yeah made, yep. so while atticus is literally wrestling fighting with a knife against this uh presumably korean soldier woman mm-hmm. in his room like fucking the room up they go back to Letitia and nega atticus and they Atticus, sorry, okay, okay, for all the Jonathan Majors fans, he gets halfway naked. <laughs> he starts unbuckling his pants, and that's when she's like, okay, wait, 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 wait. You're going a little bit too fast for me. But he doesn't stop, and that's where I get nervous. I'm like, I don't want to see assault of that nature. He opens his pants. Wasn't the snake she was expecting? A CG snake. It was a snake that anybody was expecting. <laughs> it was a snake. I was again, expecting at that point. And they I knew kept, exactly what was and, coming. And to me, it was a little. It was a little heavy-handed. But they kept showing the <laughs> not not the snake itself, but they kept showing that stained glass picture of yeah. Adam and Eve with Adam uh, Adam member in the form of a snake trying to enter Eve. I, I assume that was Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, so they showed oh, it was it. Adam and Eve. The, okay. the, the tree of. They showed it several times, but they yeah. kept it was very prominent. And then now you actually see this happening yep. again. Um, while so so you know, Letitia's like, "What the fuck?" She she jumps up. She has she's trying to defend herself. That that's happening. Atticus room. He's fucking having the you know you know a fucking tables, ladders, and chairs match with a soldier. And then uh, Uncle George is in there like with his the ghost of his past of his love, who is Atticus's mother, and. As all this happened, we're sitting there like, like as the audience, we're like, I can't believe this is all happening at once. They're being watched. Mm. It pans back, and all, and apparently there's a there's a room full of different guests, a bunch of men in in, in black and uh, uh, excuse me, what are they called? Uh, suits, tuxedos. Thank you. Um, along with Christina Braithwaite, and they are all looking at the crew going through their trials and tribulations through these like mirror portals. Like they're, just, on the moon. Like, like they're watching them like they're watching TV. Yeah. And once again, Whitey on the moon. Once yeah. Again, black pain people. on display. Yep. Having their own whole life going on and not even worried about what other people are doing. It was just once again, Whitey on the moon. And then uh, that's something that I just loved about this episode and about Uncle George, even though he's grimy as fuck. My man is just like, yo, you're not real, Nora. Abdora and just you know bounces like you know straight <laughs> you up like be named Nora so bad <laughs> yeah Negadora see there we go Negadora Nora Negadora is Nora yeah. yeah so he just says nah Nora and bounces on her steps out of it 
They all come out of their rooms, you know. They don't really show how Letitia and them deal with it, but they get out fine, whatever they they mm-hmm. done. They deal with they deem scarred, scarred, mentally scarred. But you know, Uncle George is there for them both. He tells him, and once again, whether or not he was, you know, it's straight up Guardians of the Galaxy too. Whether or not he was that man's father, he was that man's daddy. Because, like, he tells him, you was a good boy and you was mm-hmm. a good man. And mm-hmm. don't let anyone ever tell you different. And they, and he also shared with the both of them, don't let any white person think you're crazy. Yep. Or think that, you know. Make you, you, think, make you think, think you're crazy. Think you're crazy. Yeah. Because that's what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, whitey on the moon. Everyone is like, they want to do everything, see the pain. You know, I mean, that just, it, it goes to so much in our own society and our own culture is like black pain is constantly on sale. Mm. And we always talk about that on For All Nerds because I personally do not like slave or prison narratives or any of these type of narratives where it's just selling the pain of black people. And even in a lot of our music, it's about our pain. And it's been that way since the blues, since, you know, forever, whenever we came to this country, our music is based in the pain that we go through in this country. And because of that, it's like we're selling this pain and we get the, you know, meaning of it. But other people will just sit there and laugh and enjoy it. It's what Dave Chappelle talked about, why he left the Chappelle show when he started realizing that the white people standing next to him were laughing at him and not laughing with him. Yeah, like whenever I saw that scene, whenever they had those white wizards watching it, it was like I just felt like very like like in my like heart, like they're looking at these people going through these things like these are just like museum curiosities Mm -hmm. and then it reminded Mm -hmm. me of them like also having like literally having black people's bodies on display in museums as curiosities Mm -hmm. and i just like it was just very much like i triggered like this is just a lot of crap that like we see going on every day kind of thing as well as um how like whenever uncle george was saying like don't let them let you think that you're crazy I was very much like, this is like, he's like, this is gaslighting. Like, they're going to make you think that, you know, like, they're going to do whatever they can to make you feel like your lived reality is not real and you need to keep your head through it all. And it's like the sad reality of, like, everything. Um, mm. And I think a lot about um, the, the quote from, I think it's Maya Angelou. It might be Tanya Tony Morrison. Sometimes I get them mixed up. But it was about um, they will kill you and then make you smile at had being like being killed or whatever. Like they will mm-hmm. make you put a happy face on your own like killing. And mm-hmm. that's like, I think it's like a re- re- resonating theme here. It's like you're expected to be, to keep working through life. Like it's all okay when it's not okay. Yep. And so then, you know, George rallies the troops. And they're like, all right, we, you know, like smart, intelligent black people are like, we're getting the fuck, fuck out of here. It just reminded me of the dynasty. Yes. Where, where Immediately. Shut <laughs> your ass up. We got to get ho- the fuck out of here. Post haste, we out. They hop in the whip. They, you know, are whipping out of town, thinking it's all good. Until once again, they run into the language of Adam. You see it written uh, along the tunnel that the bridge they go through. Oh, wait. They first, they get Montrose. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, they picked that Negro up. It, I mean, we get it. But, I mean, no, but there is there is some you know there's something there real quick that also but I, I mean I don't know this has felt funny to me it's like Montrose is they find out that of course he's trapped under the thing with Dell they go you know they find Dell whoop her ass or Letitia puts them you know gives her the slap that everybody's been waiting for <laughs> but then they can't find Montrose until they think about his favorite book which is the Cast of Monte Carlo which is so weird to me like that because- that would enter their mind. No, that it's not that that would book? enter their mind. No, that the that his favorite book is the way that these chapters trapped him. 
The Castro Monte Carlo is a story about this man who wanted to get revenge on somebody else who he's had this, it's like beef for, I don't know, years. And he mm-hmm. ain't seen dude in forever. So when he sees him again, they, I mean, it's all plotted out because when he finds the dude, they go to a bar, they're drinking together, they're talking about their past. Da, 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 da. He's like, wait, yo, you got to come back to my crib. I got this Monte Carlo joint. You know, I got this wine. You got to try this. You know, the cast of it. You have, you know, it's historical. Da, da, da. And so dude's like, all right, you know, they both drunk. They go back to the crib. Dude takes him downstairs to the cellar. He's like, it's right back here. It's right back here. It's right back here. He takes him deeper and deeper into the cellar. And then the motherfucker puts a brick wall up and traps him behind this wall. Mm, okay. And, you know, that's his revenge on, you know, traps the dude and leaves him there to die. It and was it, a very, it's a very solid revenge tale. Like, I oh, recommend it's amazing. It. It's yeah. great. Fantastic yeah. book. So good. And, but it's just funny to me. It's like, I guess maybe that's just how grimy these motherfuckers is. You know, it's like, we gonna, you know, oh, that's your favorite book? Now you get to live it. But, you know, it was just a little much. Mm-hmm. But anyway, George is in there. I love the, I mean, not George, Montrose is in there. I love that my man was not waiting for the ass to get, come get him, though. Cause he wasn't even expecting him time, to come. He was like, why are y'all here? Yes, because by the time he gets there, um, he's already, you know, by the time they have figured out where he is, he's already dug a hole out. They pick Montrose up. He's mad. He's blah, blah, blah. He's like, why y'all here? Yep. <laughs> he was, it's just like, this is ungrateful, the ungrateful rescue, if you yes. will. But he's like, I got myself out. I didn't need y'all to now get in more trouble. Yeah, and it also goes with, like, the fact that he's, um, you know, he ain't his daddy. Like, that's the thing. You know, he's his father, but he ain't his daddy. Like, their relationship is not the same as him and Uncle George's relationship. Like, they have two different relationships, and that's shown right there, is that this man is harsh with his son. He's, you know, mm-hmm. like, ah, right, you never listen to me. Ah, ah. You know, it's all this when he's right there trying to show you love. He's mm-hmm. risking his life to save you. There was another incredible placement of music uh, mm-hmm. in Montrose's escape from, he again, he came on the ground like Walking Dead, but yep. um, Blackbird by Nina Simone was mm-hmm. playing. And, you know, as we hear in the, the lyrics of the song, she talks about Blackbird ain't never gonna fly. Um, basically talking about how you know, black people, you know, we try, but we, we're not going to get out. It's, it's, it's a loss of freedom, loss of a lot of different things. Um, but it's also in the perspective of from Nina, Nina Simone, which is a black woman. Also, I'm, I'm not sure, but I mean, it's pretty much in any escape movie that is referenced. And it's also probably a reference to the Shawshank Redemption and my man digging his way out of prison at the end of the film. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if you've seen Shawshank. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. He digs out, and he uh, digs out of the. He digs his way out of the prison, and it's a classic scene. And I think that's also referenced with Montrose getting out right there. But anyway, they're trying to get out of there. They're driving in the Daimler. It crashes into yet another invisible force field created by these um, the words of Adam that are around this bridge. Here comes old boy and his Samuel daughter. Braithwaite Samuel Braithwaite, boy. And Christina roll up, pulls out the gun, and taps Letty. Um, before, I was actually kind of upset. Like I said, I felt this episode was so rushed. And I was like, that would have been a great place to end it. But at the same time, that would have been mad goofy because we know that, you know, this ain't going to be the end of Letty. You know damn well that Letty or George ain't, you know, yeah. dying by these bullets, you know. Yeah, and in the same scene in the book, Caleb shoots Montrose. Montrose, yes. In the show, Samuel shoots Letitia and Uncle George. Yep. Um, uh, in addition, like, you know, diff- a little bit differently, like, Christina is very much in the mix of things. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, Caleb in the book, like, they, like he tries to be, but, they, you know, they're kind of more like, nah, you can't be part of this. Yeah. Like, 
you know, they try to kind of shoo him off or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, during that scene, also another song when, when Samuel shows up, uh, Marilyn Manson's what's the song? Killing Strangers starts to yeah. play. Well, this is once they start going into the whole um, once you know he shoots them and they're like, all right, well now you gotta come to the ceremony, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so. But literally, when Samuel first arrives, that song plays. Oh, it starts rolling up. So yeah. um, the song was inspired by uh, Marilyn Manson's father, suffering from PTSD from the time spent serving in the U.S. Armed Forces during the Vietnam War. It's also a song that was used in John, the first John Wick movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Killing strangers, you know. The, did you did you like that placement there? I mean, that's pretty, you know, on the nose. Yeah, but, it's very on the nose. <laughs> I, I get it. You know, I get it. It worked, and it worked for the scene. Um, then we had another like. One of my not favorite scenes. I I I just wanted the scene to have a little bit more breathing room than it did because you have you know this is one of the big scenes of my man being you know going to what opening the portal to heaven right? Well, it's oh, the, the portal to Eden to Eden, and it was like yeah. I want to go go back to the a little bit to what uh, Sam had said earlier because I found my notes front finally. Um, so he <laughs> calls it. Um, the Garden of Eden, he talks about hierarchy in the naming of creatures to put everything in place. And then he mm-hmm. says that um, the Garden of Eden is basically like, like having everything in its place, the hierarchy of order is like Nirvana, achieving Nirvana. So for him, this portal is going to take them to Nirvana. So it's not necessarily going to make them immortal to passage through this portal. It's going to bring them to a place that is the ultimate place. But yeah. it's also immortality. That, it's that's, also immortality yeah. is that, the main goal. That is that's what um Adam and Eve sacrifice is everything once they leave the garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah, it, that's yeah, yeah. Ab- yeah. Yeah, Samuel shot Leticia and Uncle George to basically push Atticus to to make the, the choice to, to make the decision to to work with him, go open up the portal. Um we get this kind of really incredible mystic scene. With you know runes and and gateways, and you see everybody in their dark robes again, wizard warlock situation. Um, did, did you have an issue with this? This is this the way this went down, Ben? Um, only because I felt like I said the scene could have been given a little bit more breathing room because as it shot to me, I really didn't feel like you get to see Atticus really make the move even before because George is the one who discovers the book of Adam and tells the you know reveals the idea that Atticus is part of this family and has this power. He's one of the sons of the sons mm-hmm. where he can command the rest of them. He has all this. So it's like in the book, Atticus makes that discovery. He, mm-hmm. you know, finds all this out for himself. He makes the move and then he disrupts the ceremony himself. We really don't get to see him do that in the show as much It's more. He's standing there in the Garden of Eden, through the portal, he sees a vision of his great, 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 great grandmother. Yeah, six times great, whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. Hannah. You know, she's there. Her name's Hannah. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah is pregnant. There, pregnant, ready to go. Holding a book. Holding, Holding a, a book. book. And that's where I was just like, wait a minute, what yep. book is that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, for book readers, we, you know, have a couple of guesses as to what that book is. But she's holding a book and she shows him the way out. But it she, wasn't really. She leads him out. Yeah, she, she leads, leads him, out. him out, but it's more. I guess in this version, it's more that it's like what happened to the first Brave Whites, where their spell just kind of goes awry. Yeah, it, I'm not sure if it was really Atticus so, doing it. Well, in the book, it wasn't really technical. Te- I mean, sure, he he. So he, let me explain. He, he messes the, up the dust in the book. <laughs> in the book, before he goes into the the room to do that ceremony. 
Caleb passes him. Well, Caleb earlier gives him a sheet of paper yep. that he says you'll be able to read this when you when you can because mm-hmm. it's in the language of Adam as you or whatever it's yep. called, language of Adam. Um, and in the book, it, they get to a point where where the portal opens and Atticus is in a in a state of I don't want to how you call it is in a state of understanding and enlightenment. Yep. Like he you know he can read the language, he understands what's going on around him, and he takes out the sheet of paper, and that's an incantation to basically blow the whole thing sky yep. high. In the show, the instead of that happening, Caleb, who is now Christina, Christina gives him a ring. Yes, and that ring, who knows who that ring really belongs to, what that ring really is, but that ring is what ends up protecting. Atticus. It's Titus's ring. We see it it's in Titus's the, in ring. A, in okay. Titus's Titus. ring ends up, but how that ended up being his protection, I don't know. But it ends up protecting Atticus, and and that that you see like a darkness flow from mm-hmm. within them that connects him to his to Hannah, his yeah. his great 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 whatever grandmother. Um. So I, for me, I didn't. I, I'm sorry, question, but for for me, I didn't. I still didn't see. To me, it was this. It was just done differently, but it wasn't really Atticus's doing. He was helped in both ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the book, um, the spell is actually a b- barrier to protect him from mm. the whatever the issue. Because like the basically what they needed Atticus for was to use his body as a vessel to as, as a conduit, the conduit to yeah. open the portal. Yeah. So his body, he was the only one who's supposed to be hit by the beam and be taken out by the beam because um, that's what this body is made for to sacrifice itself. Like that's what they were putting that putting him in that position to do. Um, and then mm-hmm. in the spell from the book and also from the ring in this in the show, what happens is that that black ba- um, protective like coating or whatever kind of like is a mm-hmm. shield for him. It's a shield, but okay. it means that the beam bounces off and hits everyone else except for except for the inverse where it's supposed to be only him get hit and dusted. It's then that it's it doesn't can't penetrate him, so it goes past him and hits everyone else. So it's the and, same and- kind of thing. Like the people. Yeah. He he's being protected by the spell or in the ring because um, it's enchanted to not um, absorb him and this big beam from the source. And in the book, it's like um, it hits the other people, but doesn't take down the house. Whereas in the show, everything goes down just like the first time with uh, Titus. Yeah. Atticus gets protected and everyone else becomes Pompeii. Yep. Um like and that that was shocking because like, again it just happened so fast like yeah. versus how I remember in my head um Samuel Braithwaite and all the other warlock goons go down um d- and as you said the whole house comes starts to come imploding crashing yeah. down and 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 um Atticus has to run out of there and he's yeah. led by his 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 ancestor yeah. to get out the house and then we also cut to like Letty and um Uncle George I was about to say the uncles mm-hmm. cuz I don't know who's his father anymore Montrose and Uncle George <laughs> <laughs> um Montrose and Uncle George are leaving out of their room and so Letty's the one who like opens the door um and Montrose is like we can't move him if we do he'll bleed out but they're like you know they have to go because everything's crumbling and we also see Uncle George pick up a book and bring the book out of the room with them as they're leaving the leaving that room oh I missed him picking up a book Mm -hmm. and then we have Atticus run out of the house and it's kind of like very reminiscent of the scene at the end of the first episode where they're bloodied and beaten Atticus is running out he sees Letty they're happy to see each other, but there's an immediate look of dread on Letty's face. For I'm like, oh, what the fuck is she all, you know? And then we, the camera pans back around to the car, and you know something terrible has happened. To Uncle George. To yeah. Uncle George. Yeah. Earlier when they when they when Samuel shot 
Letty and George. Samuel or his people actually ended up healing Letitia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see that. And then again, once again, the word trauma pops up because now she's dealing with the fact that she thought she died. She got shot. When she when she goes to look at where the, what should be a bullet wound, it's not there. Um, but he does not heal Uncle George. And that's as collateral to make sure that Atticus serves as the conduit. Um, and because he's not healed, you know, they have to move him and he's bleeding out. Yeah, these whole first two episodes, honestly, were like a lot of foreshadowing. Some of it yeah. good, some of it a little heavy-handed that George was going to not make it back from this trip. It's it's so effed up. Um, and and like you said, once once Atticus sees that Uncle George has passed, that's the end of the episode. And, and it's very heartbreaking at that point because yeah. it's like you we finally, we made it through all of that. We made it through Shawgar Slaughter. We made it through Dell. We made it through all of this shit. We made it through seeing the Garden of Eden pop the up. The Garden of Eden pop up, a whole mansion imploding, and after all of that, they still take Uncle George. And it's also like, as someone you know, I've lost uh, one of my parents recently, and it's it's something like one. There, there's so many levels to it because you have somebody like George who is such a repository of knowledge and history, and for that just to be wiped out like that. And for him to have so many more tales to tell and so much that he kept secret that now, you know, no one knows, that's traumatizing. But then for this man who is basically his father, like I say, or his daddy, he's like oh to God. take that away from Atticus, I, you know, I I felt it and it it crushed me because, like I said, I did not think that this was as least, if I was going to letter grade it, I wouldn't put this as high as I put the pilot. I thought it was a good episode, but just not as high as I put the pilot. And like I said, I felt some of the foreshadowing for George was a little too heavy-handed where I was like, this man ain't making it out of this. (laughs) But still, even then, when he lays it down at the end, it absolutely crushed me. I, I, you know, I guess Mr. Majors, I got to, you know, we were talking about on the show. crying with a single tear. Oh, I mean, we already know, you know, we we should whisper that man's name. But I I, I will now admit that you can whisper Jonathan Majors' name. (laughs) Jonathan Majors. Yeah, because after um, Last Black Man in San Francisco and that fucking... Um, I'm sorry, like that. You know, his "I'm sorry, Uncle George." I uh, I lost it. I yeah, that was that was hard. Yeah, that was hard. Yeah. Um, Portia, did you have a comment about the end of the episode? I thought because because I wanted to go back on something real quick. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say that it brought it for me. It brought it all together because I like I did have similar to um Ben's like point where he was saying that like he didn't like that that the agency, like all the things that like Atticus does in the book that were all part of him, like his discovery of the lizards and his, mm-hmm. like him, like owning that. I did have an issue with that initially. And then once I found out that Uncle George died, I was like, oh, well, it all makes sense. They're trying to give this character a yes. bit more before they took mm-hmm. him away. So I didn't really have a problem with them having changed it over because yep. that means that Atticus is going to have more later and I'm fine because there's not, mm-hmm. there's not going to be any more Uncle George. So I'd rather you God damn give it. more Uncle George. <laughs> I'd rather like, you do Are that. you serious now? So like, yes. is he done? Done. Maybe a flashback. Maybe, maybe we'll get him again. But like, yeah. he had a funeral. After that one, I don't think so. I can't. Because there's nobody to bring him back. All of the Braithwaites, no, I mean, as we know. How well, Christina can, probably still around. But how long? Can, I bet you Christina is still around. We never but how saw. Long Christina he, ain't done. But how long Christina can he be so dead and, and then be brought Samuel. back? Like, is there, I mean, is there not a uh, timing uh, period for how long you can be out before Letty they Letty was dead, back? technically, and they brought her back. But so. it was only a couple of hours. Like, not the same. How you know? You don't. We don't know how much time passed. Yeah, we don't know how long. But, no, I don't even know if Letty was dead. I think Letty was shot. 
Dying. Dying. She sat there. She sat there. She had the, the, she the, the, the full, frog tongue out. She didn't have a The full, blood didn't come out the mouth. She, the blood did not come out the mouth. She had a blooded mouth. She had a bloody she mouth. She had a full, like, uh, fall back against the she car She had the door full everything. Moment, she, had the, the, she had the full slow eyes roll back behind the yeah, head and the stop breathing. Yes, yeah. yeah, so, you know, you yeah. know, neck all perpendicular <laughs> yeah, type stuff. Uh, I'm dead. As far, it, it seemed like she died, <laughs> yeah. as far as I know. So, who who knows? Um, we talked, you know, that's the end of the episode. Um, we talked a lot about the themes of this episode, Whitey on the Moon, and how that materialized differently. Uh, patriarchy with with how Christina has to deal with Atticus's arrival and what he represents and her own ambitions. It's also family, um, another recurring theme. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that um, b- uh, right before, you know, the, the, the place imploded, there was a short scene with Montrose and um, Uncle George. And Uncle George just kind of randomly just says to Montrose, you know, whatever happened to those you know, that, those cute paintings or cute drawings you used to write when the Negro League, the baseball league would come to town. And Montrose expresses that one day his father just beats his ass for doing it. Like his his father for, again, we, we know why I'll get into that. But for one reason or another, his father just beats his ass and he's never drew anything ever again. And to me, this was just reflective of maybe that's also why Montrose, beyond the, the, the um, paternity suit but maybe that's also why Montrose is just so violent and, and just aggressive towards his son because that's all he knows that's oh, how he was definitely. that's how he was uh brought up like he he at one point he was a young boy with a glimmer of hope and a glimmer of I can be that I can oh. attain to being in the Negro Leagues you know I can be more than just a Negro in America at, the way that they are treated and then his father dashed that away no, um like let me, let me you know real quick let me speak on this like as like this is something I even had to stress with my mother at one point. Like, I had to understand where my dad was raised to understand how he raised me. Mm. Like, my dad put them hands on me with no fucking problem. You mm. know what I mean? Like, no, and, and in ways that in today's world would definitely be considered abuse at some points. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I had a fear of my dad yeah. growing up. We had a different relationship than we have now. And... I had to explain it to my mom because I had to be like, well, my granddad ran away from home when he was young. My granddad barely knew his father. So my granddad was, you know, a whole different man. And he's in 19, 18, like late 18, like, I don't know, you know, like my dad born in 1939. So mm. like, you know, my grand, this night turn of the century, yeah. black man growing up in this world. Yeah. So, you know, he was raised harsh. So he raised a son who was raised harsh. And then my dad is military, all that. So he had all that upbringing. So the way he brought it out on me is something. And I just know that. Like, even when I was with my nephew and shit, I, w- I once said something to him that reminded me of my dad's words to me. And I was like, oh, nope, never again. You know, because I'm, like, I'm not continuing yeah. that line. Like, that is not going to happen with my nephew. You know, I'm not going to be like that. And that's what, mm. But that's something that we as black men, and that's something that's so powerful in this episode that I will say, and just in this whole series so far, is how it's dealing with all these issues. And how it's dealing with the idea of family and who you choose to be your family and you know that just because you're born into something doesn't mean that that is your family. Yeah, yeah, and and also like kind of that pattern, the, the following the pattern of of how you rear up a child. Like, are you doing this because that's how it was done onto you? Are you doing this because you think this is how you protect the child? Like, did he not want his son to Montrose to to like be disappointed in the fact that like maybe that's something like you know how there's some parents who say don't even think that you can get to that status don't even think you can aspire to that because that's not in your station in life so it's like 
in one way they're trying to protect them and in another way they're dashing a lot of love and hope out of them and it's so wild because that's something i had to realize too as i grew up like my dad is effing harsh as he was and he was so harsh he supported me in everything like mm. he bought me my first turntables you know some cheap ass turntables whatever he would take me to the comic book conventions you know he would buy me role-playing games stuff that he had no interest or no you know clue about what i was thinking about why i was doing it but he would support it to the fullest you know and yeah. that's the thing that's why i'm blessed in that way and you know obviously atticus ain't had that but montrose ain't have that and so that's you know we see this cycle continuing yeah. Um, and then just my last point about that, that in kind of in that family theme category, um, we didn't touch on it, but that scene where my, uh, excuse me, Uncle George and Atticus are in the dinner with the rest of the white men and they're mm-hmm. in their tuxes and it gets to the point um, where like Uncle George just pops out <laughs> and, and then starts like, like he says, he's, he's basically trying to express that Atticus has the power over everybody. Uncle George mentioned that he's part of the Prince Hall Freemasons, which is an actual organization. Uh, it's the branch of free of Masons that welcomed black people because way back in the day when black people wanted to become Masons, they the white folks were obviously like, no, this ain't happening. So Prince Hall actually um, started this this branch of the Masonic Lodge. Um, and uh, some notable Masons of the Prince Hall Lodge include like Al Green, Jesse Jackson, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, Booker T. Washington. So lots of lots of history there. There we go. Yeah. And we're probably going to see that show up again if it's following the book at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, we might. There we go. Um, um, so, so something to think about for the next episode. Um, so that is it. Yes, I think we 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 cover quite a lot on the show. We're very extensive. We're very extensive. We take we take lots of notes and stuff because it's a lot of stuff that we see that that is in, it's encouraging. It's a lot of things that we see that again we talk about the differences between the book, but it's not hate. We're not hating on that there's something different. We're just making observations and just showing um, because it's important to see how art is represented. It's important to see how art is translated between mediums. Yep. Yeah. And uh, one last musical shout out, the song at the end of the episode, which I will never be able to listen to again the same way, is River by Leon Bridges. Um, You know, just a fantastic Mm -hmm. artist and a beautiful song, but it's going to break my heart hearing it every time now because, yeah, I miss my Uncle George, y'all. 